Today on Blue 58, we've discussed where the Packers' offense is and where it's going. Now it's time to talk about the defense. They've rebounded under Joe Barry this year, but is their performance here to stay? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here again for another episode. Got something important to talk about before we get into the main stuff today. The charity drive. 2021 is off and running. You can read the full announcement at thepowersweep.com. Also check it out in your show notes here. The broad strokes are this. We're supporting two charities this year. You can donate any amount to either of those two charities. Send me the proof and you'll be entered into a drawing to win one of seven prizes this year. The two charities are this. We are bringing back the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here Foundation. They work to support Alzheimer's awareness and research, as well as those affected by the disease. They also do some things uh, for some underprivileged families and students. We are also supporting Shamar Jean Charles' team in the Walk to End Alzheimer's with the Alzheimer's Association. If you donate to either two or either of those two charities, those charity drives, you will be entered into our drawing for uh, a prize uh, to. Sweeten the pot a little bit. If you donate 35 bucks to the Alzheimer's Association uh, with the Shamar Jean Charles team, uh, you will receive a Walk to End Alzheimer's blanket, and Shamar will donate one to a senior center in your name. Uh, you've got until December 31st to donate, and we'll make a, a drawing, or we'll, we'll draw our winners uh, the, uh, the following week, the first week of the new year. The prizes you can win. Uh, we were giving away one jersey this year, jersey of your choice. If you're a winner, I will get out, reach out to you, and you can pick out a jersey from the Packers Pro Shop. I'll have it mailed to you. Uh, there are two $50 gift certificates to the Pro Shop uh, at stake and four $25 gift certificates. So donate, support these charities. You get a chance to win prizes. Last year, we raised well over $2,000. Very proud of everybody who donated last year. This is totally optional. Uh, but it's something that that's really important to me and uh, important to a lot of people who listen to this show. Uh, this is a, a terrible, awful disease, and anything that we can do to um, to fight against it, either through the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here's Foundation or the Alzheimer's Association, take your pick. Uh, I think we can make some progress against this together. Sound good? Good. Let's talk about the defense. Thinking about the defense overall this year, I think... Reliable but unspectacular is the phrase I'd use to describe this unit. Generally, they're getting the job done, and I'm as surprised as you are. Weird to be pleasantly surprised about something, isn't it? Especially the Packers' defense. And looking at the national media landscape, it it seems like they are not getting all that much credit. And to be fair, there have been a couple not-so-great outings. Week one kind of left a lot of People feeling a little bit underwhelmed about the defense, myself included, but since then it's been a lot better, other than a pretty serious blip against the Minnesota Vikings. But by and large, it's been a great effort, and they're doing it more or less with no superstars. They've got a pretty pretty boring group of players, and I mean that as like a... Um, as, as a big a compliment as it can possibly be. They're getting by with guys that are not necessarily household names, although they probably should be in some instances. 
But I think looking at the guys who are contributing to this defense, you see why they're not getting a lot of attention at the national level. Think about the guys who are the big contributors. You've got Kenny Clark up front, a defensive tackle, a nose tackle, depending who you ask. Nobody's getting excited about defensive tackles. Just ask Aaron Donald. He's had to be almost literally the best football player in the league to get the attention that he's getting. Rashawn Gary on the edge, an edge who doesn't get a ton of sacks because he's had no real edge help this year. He's improving. He's putting up spectacular numbers, which we'll talk about later here. But still, if you're not getting a bunch of sacks, you're not going to get a lot of attention. Devondre Campbell, solid linebacker, as good a linebacker as we've seen in Green Bay in a long, long time. But he's a non-splash play type linebacker who was kind of a journeyman for a long time, almost half a decade prior to ending up in Green Bay. In the back end, you've got Adrian Amos, whose whole game, whose whole approach to playing football is being in the right place so people don't throw to where he is. You're not going to get a lot of attention playing that way. It's great for the defense, but it just doesn't draw a lot of eyeballs your way. You throw in a guy like Rasul Douglas, a nice story, but the story that brought Douglas to Green Bay involves a lot of people not thinking he was very good. You can see why maybe he's not suddenly drawing a whole bunch of positive national attention. The raw numbers, though, pretty darn good. Traditional numbers, 5th in scoring, 7th in yards, 8th in takeaways, 5th in net yards per attempt in the passing game, 8th in turnover percentage, the amount of drives ending in a turnover, just 24th in scoring percentage, though, the amount of drives ending in points for the opposing team. By the advanced numbers, they're 14th by DVOA, pretty solid, 10th against the pass, 27th against the rush, Uh, 12th in their season-ending projection stat, Dave, D-A-V-E. According to Pro Football Focus, they're the 8th best overall defense, the 14th best run defense, the 7th best pass rush, the 14th best coverage grade. You can see why the defense is playing pretty well. The numbers are backing it up, and they're doing some great things in some great areas. Keeping people off the board is the name of the game. It doesn't really matter how you're doing it beyond that. And they're fifth best in the league at preventing opposing teams from scoring. So what's going well for the defense? I left one thing out of my discussion of the the pro football focus grades. Tackling. Believe it or not, the Packers are the best tackling team in the NFL, according to pro football focus. They've got a grade of 82.5 as a team on the season. Philadelphia is second in the league. Their grade on the year is 75.5. Think about that. The Packers are by fairly wide margin, the best tackling team in the NFL. Last year, they were 18th in the league. A bunch of other things have improved on the defense, but this is the single biggest team-wide improvement. And it's a big reason that they don't give up a bunch of yards after the catch. It's a big reason they don't give up a ton of big runs. It's a big reason that they're keeping opposing teams off the scoreboard. Rashawn Gary, as much as a player can individually go well for a team, is having a phenomenal season. Probably the single most improved player on the defense. His pressure rate on the year is 16.45%, up significantly over last year, a career high. It's the second highest rate that I have on record for the Packers since 2015. It's behind only Zadarius Smith in 2019, who posted a pressure rate of 17.68%. It'd be great if Gary finished more of those pressures with sacks. It's coming. It will. I promise. 
Best play in the season for him, probably that strip sack on Matthew Stafford. Uh, just a game-turning play there early in the in the game against the against the Rams and the the Rams offense never really seemed to recover. The secondary, finally, the last thing I want to talk about going really well here for the defense. That this secondary has not completely caught fire and sank into a swamp is a testament to a few things. First, better secondary schemes. We talked about this back when Joe Barry was hired. If there was anything to recommend Joe Barry for this job, and it's really borne out over the course of the season. It's that the Fangio scheme builds from back to front, and it's really going to put your secondary in position to to make plays and play well. And that has been the case. The Packers' secondary has been solid, especially with how he's utilized Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos better than I think Mike Pettin ever did. Savage is playing well as an almost exclusively deep safety. There's some talk about him playing the star position, playing in the slot, That really hasn't materialized yet this year to a significant degree, but it's been fine because he's done a great job making sure nothing gets deep. Yep, some dropped interceptions, but still it's been a solid effort from him this season. Same with Adrian Amos playing down near the line of scrimmage. It's it's been a good season for him too. Second factor in the secondary is Jerry Gray really getting the most out of his guys. And really it comes down to uh, integrating guys really quickly. Eric Stokes, came along, I think, even faster than I hoped. Rasul Douglas is the very definition of integrating quickly. And Kevin King has managed to not be a complete disaster this year. There have been some real bad moments, but it's been a step forward from 2020. Now, to use a phrase we use a lot on this podcast, that may be damning with faint praise. Sure, admittedly, but Kevin King has been better in 2021 when healthy. And of course, that is always the the thing there with Kevin King. Finally, just the pure construction of the secondary. Additions the Packers have made this year have paid off in huge ways. They drafted Eric Stokes, considered a bit of a reach by some early, but he's looked like a first-round pick this year. If you can be a starting cornerback in the NFL as a rookie, you're doing something right, and your team did something right to acquire you. He has not looked out of place as a starting cornerback. Has it been perfect? No. No, of course not. But he's been real good for the Packers this year. And it's really helped them stay steady and positive in the secondary. Same with Rasul Douglas. To talk about Rasul Douglas, I want to bring up a couple other names. Remember Stephon Gilmore? Sure seemed like the Packers for a hot second were going to end up with him. But no, he ends up in Carolina. Remember Quentin Dunbar, another free agent signing when the Packers needed some serious help in the secondary, actually signed after Rasul Douglas to the practice squad, never made it to the 53. Douglas holds him off, and the Packers look like geniuses as a result. On the flip side of that, you do have to push back a little bit on the Rasul Douglas, Brian Gutekunst hagiography. Yeah, it's been great that they signed him, and it's worked out really, really well. This was not the plan for Rasul Douglas. And as great as it's been, I mean, the Packers are thanking their their lucky stars that it's worked out this well. They did not plan for him to be their starting outside corner, one of their two starting outside corners. He's supposed to be a depth piece. It's worked out way better than they could have hoped. But the important thing there is not to, 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 like, try to take down the Packers saying, well, they didn't really mean for him to be this good. No, of course not. They understood that. We understand that. Everybody understands that. But... 
The Packers kept churning in their secondary at a time of the year where things were looking really bad there for a little while. In the secondary, a bunch of injuries in short order. Jair Alexander going down, Kevin King going down, Eric Stokes a little bit banged up. They needed some help, and they brought in a bunch of options. They were in a bunch of conversations, and they landed two guys, Dunbar and Douglas, and Douglas turns out to be real good. That's the name of the game, taking swings, and it's worked out. We'll talk about what's not going so well here in a second, but first I wanted to take a second to mention the sponsor of this episode. Today's sponsor is you. Blue 58 is entirely listener supported. We accept no ads and have no plans to ever do so. You will never hear me do a read for Little Blue Pills, Male Grooming, or Daily Fantasy Sports. I want this show to run entirely on support from you. How do we do that? Well, you've got to head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep to contribute any amount, amount you like per month. Some of you have done that already and appreciate it. I would appreciate it if you would uh, consider joining us there too. What do you get in return? Well, you get no ads here or on thepowersweep.com now or ever, but also bonus content through Patreon and access to our Discord server, which is a cool place to hang out and chat with Packers fans from all over the world. So visit patreon.com slash thepowersweep today or see the link in your show notes to get started. Today, I'd like to shout out uh, Patreon supporters Kyle Baird, Ryan Hogue, Jonathan Axberg, and Connor Kuppa. Appreciate each of you individuals for supporting us there. Right, what's not going on so well or not going so well for the Packers defense this year? Run defense with a bit of an asterisk. Statistically, it is still going okay for the Packers on defense, but you do see in some of the advanced numbers there are some weaknesses there in the run defense, and teams that have really stuck with it have had success running on the Packers. The Packers just generally pass them out of games or more importantly score them out of out of their run schemes. If you can get ahead enough, you can make it suboptimal for teams to run against you. But teams that stick around, stay in the game, can run and continue to run and make the Packers pay for staying in their light defenses. Much like Mike Pettin, Joe Barry likes to run light fronts. Three, four down linemen, maybe one two linebackers, and then a bunch of defensive backs behind it. That works great most of the time because most teams do not have the discipline to do the inefficient thing and just pound you with the running game. The Vikings did, though, and they had some success there. I'm interested to see how the Packers are able to do against Baltimore, who is probably going to try a similar approach. And I'm a little concerned about how a team like the... um, Buccaneers might do with a similar approach against the Packers because they've got the personnel to do it, they've got the discipline to do it, and uh, it could go badly for the Packers again in the playoffs, but that's putting the cart way ahead of the horse. The other big concern or thing that's not going so well for the Packers this year is injuries. Uh, This is every defense, but the Packers seem especially susceptible to injury on defense this year. And I don't mean injuries that have already taken place. I mean injuries that could happen in the future. An injury at a couple key positions could really negatively affect the Packers' defense. Say Kenny Clark goes down for two, three weeks. Your defensive line suddenly looks dramatically different. Devondre Campbell missing any time might ruin the Packers' linebacker core. And what if Eric Stokes goes down at this point for the Packers before Jair Alexander comes back if he comes back? Those are big weak spots. 
I'd hate to see the Packers' depth tested still further. But this, again, is not uncommon or not just unique to the Packers. This is a pretty common problem throughout the league. And it speaks to something we've talked about a lot on the on this podcast over the years. It's really hard to hold together a high-end defense just because of how many people you need to run a high-end defense. You need a lot of people playing at a really high level to be a high-end defense. And if you lose one or two of those parts, suddenly you don't look so high-end at all. Questions and concerns about the Packers' defense. First, what happens if Jair Alexander comes back? Starting to look like he probably is. I think he ends up playing in the slot if he does. The outside corners at this point seem to be Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas. That's good. Uh, The Packers can uh, deploy versatile chess piece Jair Alexander where he can have the most impact, and right now it looks like the biggest impact would be in the slot. Second big question I have is what happens if and when Zedaria Smith comes back? This I'm not really so sure because we're not really sure how the Packers implement implement him or how they can implement him depending on what his injury situation is like because he's not going to be 100% when he comes back and he may not ever be 100% this season. So whatever is the case when he is back on the field, if and when that happens, I hope it happens slowly. Work him back in, get him as close to full strength as you can for the possi- for the playoffs. Get him close to 100% for January and hopefully February. The playoffs, the playoffs, the playoffs. We're playing for the end game here. Even if the Packers don't get everybody back until late December and they may drop a game in there as a result, the goal is the playoffs. Be 100% in the playoffs couple other random observations about the defense. I didn't really know where to fit this in because it's not really to the point of being like an individual, like overall strength of the defense, but Dean Lowry is having a really good season. He's finally playing like the versatile piece that we thought he could be. He's never going to be a star, but a little pass rush, a little run defense, a little just being a big guy who's an above average athlete for the position he plays. That's a nice piece to have, moving up and down your defensive line. And really, he's kind of turned out to be what Kingsley Kiki was supposed to be this year. Making plays on the ball is always going to be important. And your two leaders in our ball hawk stat this year are pretty surprising. Eric Stokes takes the lead right now with 12 on the year. He's got 11 passes defensed and one interception. Rasul Douglas, meanwhile, is right behind him with 11. He's got eight passes defense, two interceptions, and a fumble forced. Also in our advanced stats, the Packers are approaching something very cool. They're very close to having three pass rushers with a production ratio of 1.0 or better. Production ratio is sacks and tackles for loss per games played. One is the measure of a good to really good player. You're averaging one of those per game, you're in real good shape. And if you get three over one, you're in a really, really strong position as far as your overall pass rush health. Well, right now, the Packers have Kenny Clark sitting at a production ratio of 0.92, Preston Smith right behind him at 0.91, and Rashawn Gary right behind both of them at 0.86. It's gotten a lot better this year. The Packers are not so top-heavy as a pass rush as they've been in years past. It's not just one or two guys. They've got three legitimate pass rushers making plays in the backfield. 
I thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking defense today, too, or not defense, uh, special teams today, too. I don't have a ton to add here that we haven't talked about already, but there were a couple points I wanted to touch on. Overall, you know the story here. It's not great. The special teams are pretty bad. One of my preseason predictions this year was that the Packers would be better on special teams by DVOA. Well, that has not really worked out. Last year, they were 25th overall. Not great. They had the fourth best field goal unit. Awesome. They had the 11th best kickoff coverage. Okay. The sixth worst kickoff return. The fourth worst punt coverage. Not really sure how that's possible considering how bad their punt coverage was last year. And the ninth worst punt return. Pretty bad. This year is even worse. 30th overall by DVOA. They have the worst field goal and extra point group in the league by that metric. They have the seventh worst kickoff coverage. They have the ninth worst kickoff return. They have the very best punt coverage in the league. Thanks, Corey Bohorquez. And they have the worst punt return unit. It's bad. It's real bad. And I think we're just at the point of hoping that something catastrophic doesn't happen in the playoffs. And as I say on this podcast very frequently, that's just a wish. And a wish is not a plan. It doesn't seem like there's a plan to fix it. As far as questions related to special teams, we've talked about replacing Mason Crosby. Uh, Brought that up a couple episodes back. Check that out if you haven't. Basically, your options as far as replacing Mason Crosby, if that's something you're interested in, or basically just the Crosby situation in general, is keep Mason Crosby and hope he works it out, option one. Replace him with J.J. Molson, who the Packers have kept around for a year and a half but was an inconsistent college kicker. Or hope for the best with a veteran who's a free agent in December who's probably a free agent for a reason. Right. That is not a great selection of options, so it's easy, I think, in light of that to see why the Packers are just kind of like, let's stick with Mason Crosby and hope he figures it out because he's figured it out before. Maybe he can figure it out again this time. Two listener questions. I've lost track of who asked this one in particular, so forgive me if this was you, but somebody asked me, why have the Packers not explored re-signing Tyler Irvin? And I don't have a good answer as to why they wouldn't consider that. I guess there is one obvious answer as to why they wouldn't consider it. It's that they've got Amari Rodgers on the roster. But it seems like Tyler Irvin could could solve a couple problems for the Packers right now. Or at least add some things to their, their offense and special teams that they don't currently have. Tyler Irvin had his kind of own role in the Packers offense, ran the jet sweeps, returned punts, returned kicks. But he got injured a whole bunch in 2020. And that was it for him in Green Bay. But It's a year later. Presumably he's healthier now. And we know if nothing else, he can stand back there and catch punts and not screw it up. Sometimes I wonder, as much as the Packers are willing to turn over other parts of their roster, why they seem so reluctant to not churn elsewhere. Punt returner is pretty plug and play. The exact mechanics of doing it are pretty simple. You could probably explain it to me or one of us in about five or ten minutes. I wouldn't want to be back there fielding punts. Seems like not that great a time. I would, uh, I totally understand the guys who get the yips a little bit and just kind of want to back away from every punt that, uh, that comes their way or call for a catch or whatever. But these guys who have done it for a long time and have done it well, it should be pretty plug and play. And Tyler Irvin could probably 
plug and play and fix some stuff for the Packers right now. At the very least, he's probably not going to just run horizontally like Amari Rogers seems to want to. Final thing today, uh, got a listener question from somebody who asked if the Packers would fire Marie Drayton even if the Packers won the Super Bowl this year. If the Packers win the Super Bowl, he is not going anywhere. If the Packers lose in the playoffs on anything other than a catastrophic failure by the special teams, he's not going anywhere. That's just not how the Packers operate. And think back to 2014, the last time the Packers really did have a catastrophic performance on special teams in the playoffs that cost them in a meaningful way. I don't have to run down the litany of failures there. But in 2014, the Packers had seven kicks blocked between field goals, extra points, and punts. Now, it's been bad in Green Bay this year. But they've had turnover at long snapper and at punter. And even amidst that, they've only had the two kicks blocked. Some of the the rest of the problems are on the operation, sure. But there's only so much Maurice Drayton can do about that. I agree it should be better, but they'll argue internally that it's not entirely his fault. There's only so much he can do there. You don't have to buy that argument for it to just be what they're going to say. If the Packers win the Super Bowl, though, he's not going anywhere. And I would say the chances are pretty good he's not going to go anywhere anyway, unless they have a terrible, just awful, uh, like got to get fired in the hallway after the game, meltdown on special teams in the playoffs. Let's cross our fingers and hope it doesn't come to that. So I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I would appreciate it just as much if you would go to thepowersweep.com, find the information about our charity drive and donate there. That is uh, the thing I'm going to be harping on a lot here between now and the end of the year. Uh, I appreciate everybody who chooses to donate, and I uh, hope we can send some cool prizes your way if you if you choose to do that uh, as well. would appreciate it a lot as well if you would share this episode. If you enjoyed it, find somebody else you think would enjoy it and share it with them. Force them to listen to it, take out their phone, and subscribe them to the podcast. It's going to get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers and ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.